0: ladies and gentlemen all over the world you are tuned into the one and the only a difference in thought i'm your host charlie ray and here at a difference in thought a difference in thought engages and processes recent events culture philosophy public policy and faith through the ancient art of truth telling join the conversation and gain an alternative perspective with a difference in thought this podcast is an honor and homage of the work and mission of the great reverend dr martin luther king jr our core philosophy here is that basic arithmetic teaches us that there can be no difference without subtraction. Before considering where you would like to see a difference, first consider where you are willing to take a subtraction. Now, it's been a, uh, it's been a while, I know. Uh, I'm sure you guys missed me. I missed you uh, all as well. But, uh, you know, I've just been, as always, out in real life trying to live out the revolution I'm trying to, trying to seek. Uh so this is gonna be a very good episode. It's uh goes it's very in depth and so um this is probably gonna be a reverend uh doctor <laughs> episode. Uh it's it covers a lot. So without any further ado, you're tuned into episode number ten, Crisis or Consequences, the truth about America's immigration problem and problem in heavy quotations. Now, last week, we talked about NIMBY and segregation and, and what that meant and this uh, belief of a, of a right in partnering with government to uh, further the belief that you have a right to non-white bodies being removed from your presence. We also talked about the core concept of immigration. Uh, is really about who do we want to invite into our community. Uh, and so, uh, this is an extension of this because we talked about how NIMBY starts in a person's backyard and then it starts in their family and then it starts into their neighborhood and then their neighborhood into their, um, county and their county into their state and their state into their nation and how, uh, and kind of hinted at what happens when NIMBY kind of leaks over into, uh, into the world. And treating, how does one nation treat uh, another nation? And again, who do we want to live in community with? Now, in all the weeks that have gone, I'm sure we, uh, hopefully, our listeners are, are familiar with what is going on uh, at the border, uh, specifically uh, the Mexican-U.S. border, and then also with the travel ban uh, being upheld by the supreme uh, by the Supreme Court uh, and how essentially, uh, children are being separated from their parents at the border and, uh, where they were formerly being, uh, processed as asylum, where they could be, uh, processed as asylum seekers, they are now, um, uh, Border uh, Patrol is now at the direction of, of, uh, the President and the Attorney General are now using, uh, federal uh, statute 8 us code 1325 that now charges uh improper entry by alien as something criminal rather than just something uh civil prior under the prior administration they were it was processed uh civilly uh and the family could so it was more like a catch and release so you could catch them but you could release them and you could come back to a court date um people some people were not returning back to their court dates uh but again, the question of this podcast is, uh, is this influx of people that are now being called an immigration problem, right? And, uh, you can, you can also, when you study the, uh, James Baldwin and, uh, Harry Belafonte and Dr. King during that time, the Negro was called the Negro problem, right? Despite the fact that, uh, our very presence here was, uh, an act of the, uh, government and, um, our enslavement and, and, and um, the oppression. And as uh, Malcolm X would talk about the powder keg, the conditions, people complained about explosions but ignored the conditions um, uh, of heat that uh, caused the explosion of the powder keg of the quote-unquote Negro problem. And so we see this same uh, illustration scene here. And so I want to paint a picture for you all uh, and this is kind of going to uh, set the scene for the type of discussion that we're having here. So imagine uh, you're sleeping at night and uh, with your family, and uh, you know you're you kind of wake up in the middle of the night because you feel something uh, feel something a little wet on your foot. And so you're thinking, "Oh man, what is what is that?" You know, uh, maybe my waterbed broke or whatever. I don't know if people say I have waterbeds. I don't think people do that. <laughs> but then imagine uh, during the night again you are. Uh, you, you, uh, now, now, not only does your foot feel, uh, uh, wet, but, but your, 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 your leg feels wet and then you're waking up and you see that, uh, you get out of your bed and you are knee deep in water. And so you, you, uh, grab your family, uh, and you, you head out, uh, your, uh, you try and find a way to head out the door, but it's flooded. So you kind of got to climb out of your window. And so you're kind of going as you hit the ground, um, uh, you see that in the bottom window of your house there is a long hose right <laughs> so you follow this hose and the hose is connected uh, to your neighbor's house and so outrage you're saying why in the world is 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 that did, did, <laughs> did my neighbor flood my house right put this hose in my window and so and you see you go to your neighbor's house with a little with just the clothes you have on your back and you're kind of um, knocking on the door and uh, uh you kind of want to be able to dry off and find out what's going on and, and, uh, uh the husband, you know, c- comes and opens, your neighbor opens the door and, uh, they, uh, kind of are looking at you and you're looking at them and saying, Hey, uh, let us in. Uh, you, uh, you flooded our house. <laughs> I don't know why you have a hose in, in my house, kind of what's going on here. And, uh, and the guy kind of says, Well, you know, we just got we just got uh new wood floors in here and uh we don't really uh we don't really like wet people in our house. And they close the door in your face. <laughs> now I want you to imagine the emotion, the rage, the questions that you're having there. And the question is, uh does your neighbor have a moral obligation to at least let you in to dry off, seeing as though for whatever reason, they are the reason for your displacement. Now, <clears throat> some people may say, what in the world does that have to do? Why are people flooding things? Nobody really does that. And so my my question here, and, and here, is, here is an aspect that I have not seen addressed as much recently in this uh, conversation about the immigration problem, specifically from Latin and Central America, is... People are wondering about what's who's coming in our country without really worrying about what is going outside of our country. And if you want to know what's going outside of our country that is contributing to the destabilization of Latin America, the answer would be guns. Now, uh, this is not <laughs> this is uh, not a, a, a mystery here about the history of, uh, illegal gun smuggling coming out of our country because of our lax and loose, uh, gun laws, then being smuggled into places like Mexico, uh, especially when you think about Ciudad Juarez and Tijuana and how these guns are arming the cartel, drug cartels to the point that they are overpowering their local, uh, Government. Uh, One of the 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 people that are looking to um, uh, run as uh, president of Mexico. One of their terms is that they're they're looking to use the military to replace uh, some of the police because the police are so outgunned by the cartels. But uh, it is our guns that have been doing this. Now this is this is uh, now. Something that I'm sure people have heard a lot uh, is Operation Fast and Furious, right? So Operation Fast and Furious talked about uh, tracking the guns that went out of our country. Uh, It was one of the first initiatives to actually track this. And uh, it uh, definitely went off the rails a bit. And we'll talk about that a little bit more because essentially the way that it was executed, the way it was done... Uh, you definitely could say that it could have been done better. So, huh, you see, you see that segue there? Oh yeah, that was mad smooth. Uh, <laughs> talking about things in which we can do better. It's time for the first segment of, or not the first segment. This is what the, maybe the third. Uh, you know why we're here? It is uh, the moment we've all been waiting for. The recipient of do better, baby. Now here at a different thought, we kind of point out people that are uh uh their thinking is definitely in in need of uh uh, a difference being made and their consequences are real now we've given this award out to uh uh barbecue betty we've given it out to, (laughs) to the people that were calling police on people for no reason the last time and so um uh uh Now, of course, I could give this out to, uh, what do they call her now, Permit Patty, who apparently thinks that a black girl selling uh, water is worse than herself, a white woman, selling drugs (laughs) without a permit. But apparently, that's a thing. But, to avoid being redundant, we're not going to do that. What we're going to talk about, the recipient of the Do Better Baby Award right now, is going to go to none other than... Jefferson Beauregard Sessions uh the <laughs> attorney general for his failed attempt uh to use uh the bible to to show that somehow civil disobedience is <laughs> is uh, is prohibited by the bible now this guy who is, uh seems to be quite um biblically illiterate to say the least um Uh, One of the Southern uh, Baptist leaders says that he could definitely use a Bible study lesson here. He attempts to use Romans 13 verse 1 uh, to say that their uh, following of the law, quote unquote, to separate children from their families uh, pretty much shouldn't be questioned because the Bible says... uh, in Romans 13.1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now, let me tell you why this is problematic. Number one, this is the same, uh, uh, this was used by white supremacists uh, to uh, talk about why, you know, Jim Crow was right and why, you know, all these things made by gov- government decisions were kind of made and saying like, hey, God is God is with us, don't question this. But let me tell you why this is absolutely ridiculous. So the person who wrote this book of the Bible, it's a guy by the name of Apostle Paul. Now, though he did not write Romans from prison, there are, I believe, three or four uh, books of the Bible that Apostle Paul wrote from prison. And it wasn't for jaywalking. (laughs) It was for the government saying that he is not allowed to preach the gospel, in which Apostle Paul knowing that there was a higher call where he was literally knocked off of his high horse by Jesus and told to preach the gospel, uh, chose to disobey, uh, acted in civil disobedience, um, uh, acted in civil disobedience uh, and said, no, I'm I'm not going to do that. And so the author himself didn't even follow the interpretation that Jeff Sessions brings uh, to this. Um, he also forgot to, uh, read just two verses down. I'm sure, I doubt he forgot to read it, where it says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unaf- unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Uh, and, you know, conceptually, uh, for he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister, and avenges wrath on him who practices evil. So, the... Uh, uh, the government, what this is saying is that ultimately the government should be withholding the highest law, which is the law of God, and that uh, uh, the only people who are afraid of the government are those who are practicing evil, not those who are fleeing <laughs> the practices of an evil government, right? Those are the people who should be afraid <laughs> of the government. Uh, and if just in verse nine through 10, says for the commandments say you shall not commit adultery you shall not murder you shall not steal you shall not bear false witness you shall not covet and if there is any other commandment are, and uh, if there is any other commandment are, are all summed up in this saying namely you shall love your neighbor as yourself and verse 10 love does no harm to a neighbor therefore love is the fulfillment of the law so <laughs> love does no harm to a neighbor Right again we're talking about immigration Is who do we want to invite into our community who are we considering a neighbor therefore love is the fulfillment of the law that's all in the same chapter Jeff <laughs> and not only did Apostle Paul uh, go to prison for that this is the, ultimately the reason why he was killed by his government uh, for preaching the gospel uh, he uh, chose to practice civil disobedience and he was assassinated. He was killed. Okay? Uh, so, I don't think Apostle Paul, the person you're quoting, would even <laughs> agree with your interpretation of that. So, I, need, I uh, you get the uh, Do Better Baby Award. Okay? And so, when we're talking about civil disobedience, right? Uh, uh, the, it brought, brings into context this question. Because here we in Romans 13 that the, the government, uh, God's use of the government is to uphold uh, the law, so that people who practice evil are afraid, not those who practice good. So, what happens when? What happens when the government is not good? What is the biblical call to how we should respond to the government when it is not good? Now, here's a, a verse uh, for Jeff Sessions. Here, if you turn to Hebrews chapter eleven, Hebrews chapter eleven. Now, this is called the uh like the Hall of Fame. Like this is like uh, those who like uh whose faith was so noteworthy that um they are they are so Enoch's in here, uh Noah's in here, Abraham's in here, um uh uh Sarah uh is is in here. Um and so uh here you see in verse twenty three uh, they talk about people who are practicing uh, civil disobedience. So it says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Now, in the list of all these people, the all stars of of the all stars of the Bible, here are listed people that practice civil disobedience who said, "Yes, I know the king says." To give all of our children over to them because that's the law. But the law is wrong. The government is not good. So the biblical response then is to practice civil disobedience. Uh, Dr. King uh, said it like this uh, when they were asked why he practiced civil disobedience. He said, of course, there is nothing new about this kind of civil disobedience. It was seen sublimely in the refusal of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to obey the laws of Nebuchadnezzar because a higher moral law was involved. It was practiced superbly by the early Christians who were willing to face hungry lions and the excruciating pain of chopping blocks, speaking of Apostle Paul, before submitting to certain unjust laws of the Roman Empire. So Dr. King, who also practiced civil disobedience and also was assassinated for for calling against the current laws of the time, understood that there is a moral obligation and a higher law that calls us to civil disobedience uh, when the government is not good as uh, instead of the government being what God uh, called it to be, when it is not good, there is a moral obligation uh, for us to, to uh, disobey. But there is this uh deceit that dr king also saw that says that there are people who are more devoted to order than to justice these people who prefer a negative peace which is the absence of tension to a positive peach peace which is the presence of justice he was speaking specifically uh he says i've almost reached a regrettable conclusion that the negro's great stumbling block and the stride toward freedom is not the white citizens counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner." but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice. So, there is a way that we support, and uh, Eddie Glaude Jr., as we said, I've I've mentioned him every (laughs) episode, he talks about how systems and uh, 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 oppressive systems are sustained by um, everyday decisions. And a lot of times that can happen when we want order more than we want justice. Uh, And so, building the case again, as we're talking about uh, the illustration originally of if if someone floods someone's house and they come over in the middle of the night seeking asylum, can you say, I don't like wet people in my house when you're the person that flooded their, <laughs> that flooded their house? At what point is there a moral obligation uh, for this? And so people talk about immigration as a problem that are coming here and, you know, just like that person that denied the person that we're more concerned about our wooden floors than the consequences of our actions that we have created. So, uh, that award is given, the Do Better Baby Award is given to to Jeff Sessions for uh, misusing the Bible, uh, not even understanding the author of the text, and We'll get into a little bit later some of the actions that he is that he is uh, doing to make it harder for people to seek asylum, despite our personal uh, uh, U.S. policies causing the destabilization of these same regions that we're now denying asylum to. So we're talking about guns uh, going into uh, uh, different. Uh, places uh there was there was an article uh done by um i believe the 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 uh publishing place was called trace and it was talking about the amount of guns that are being smuggled into uh into latin america uh and how they are the same countries that are now coming to our border guns by the thousands being uh placed there and what you understand about mexico is that mexico um it's not like america right where you can just unfortunately get as many guns as you want we'll talk about that when we get deeper into this uh operation fast and furious uh you have to kind of go to the military and request for uh you know guns to be purchased and they can you know do that if they if they so please or not so i'm basically saying the cartels aren't getting their guns from from the mexican government right (laughs) they're coming from america and so Before we talk about Operation uh, Fast and uh, Furious, right? I know, right? Now you're just thinking about like Tyrese. What more do you want from me? (laughs) So before uh, before that, uh, it actually started uh, in, I believe, 2006 under President President Bush, the second Bush, um, called Operation Wide Receiver. Where pretty much they started noticing and, you know, to, to their credit, finally acknowledging, hey, uh, maybe all these people coming to the border are, has to do with all the guns that are being smuggled out of our country. Right. Because essentially what was happening, they have these people called straw purchases where pretty much they come to America, they come across the border where they can buy an insane amount of guns in a small amount of time, and they bring their friends, and they buy guns, and then they go back to Mexico, and they sell these guns. I'm talking about AK-47s. I'm talking about the high military-grade weapons. Um, There was even an account in uh, Operation Fast and Furious where someone had bought 32 AK-47s in a period of 24 days, and with his friends combined and all how many they bought, they bought 212 guns in a very small amount of time. And then just brought them back over the border. So what the what operation uh, wide receiver was doing, they were saying, hey, guns are coming out of our country. Let's partner with Mexico and say, hey, uh, I we acknowledge that these guns are causing a problem in your cities. We are going to track them. Uh, we're going to uh, partner with uh, gun shops around the uh, the, the border. Where these people are going, and we're going to track the guns, and we're going to catch them at the border. So, um, some of them they were not as successful <laughs> as retrieving. Um, uh, and but most, but here's the here's the uh, main thing: the difference between Operation Wide Receiving, Wide Receiver versus Fast and Furious. Operation Wide Receiver said we're going to allow them to get these guns. We're going to track who they're calling, who they're connected to, and work with the Mexican government. And then we will catch these guns at the border, right? So we will intercept the, the the exchange that actually doesn't go, okay? Here's the difference. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I want you to see how much we are involved in our policy with the destabilization of these places that we're now denying, okay? Uh, so, operation fast and furious happens uh this is under the uh obama uh administration now it's kind of a continuation of what was started by bush except uh the uh the the head of uh atf um decides that hey instead of i don't know if his brother saw too many action movies or maybe he saw sicario before it came out or whatever but he's like hey man we're not just going to stop them at the border. We're going to do something called gun walking, which is we're going to let them go past the border so that we can actually get to like the real players of it. And so we'll let all these guns pass, but don't worry, we'll track them. Now, some of this some of this tracking failed because the Mexican government uh, dropped it on their ball, but a lot of it happened uh, on our watch where... They monitored the sale of 2,000 firearms. I'm talking about AK-47s. I'm not talking about, you know, small guns, right? 2,000 military-grade weapons. And they were only able to recover 710 of them, right? So they lost over half of the guns they were tracing. But here's what started happening, right? Um, uh, Of the firearms that were found, um, there were at least 150 Mexican civilians that were maimed or killed uh, that were traced back to the guns that we literally just let walk into there. Um, and you will remember uh, that Eric Holder kind of got pulled into this because even though in all the documents show he didn't find out until 2011, right? Uh, basically, when the funk hit the fan, they said, oh, shoot, maybe we should tell Eric now, right? <laughs> so, uh, which, which, by the way, was a was a bad decision, okay? So I'm not trying to make excuses for anybody. uh, uh He's pulled. Uh, he's pulled into this, and basically the agents who uh, the agents who are working this, especially the people who uh, they partner with the same uh, some of the same drug uh, gun dealers who had worked under President Bush. But the difference with President Bush is that I'd see them. They would see. They would sell the guns to the person once, and then they'd be gone because they'd be caught under Operation Fast and Furious. Some of the owners were saying. uh hey, brother, I just sold this this person uh, 212 guns in uh, 24 days. Uh, next month, I'm seeing them again. So are we catching these people or not, nah, right? And so then they start telling these people that. Then people at the border are like, hey, man, we can catch them. It even got to the point where someone said, well, you know, we don't have enough uh, to, to really nail this case, so let them go. Besides, we don't want a Second Amendment uh, argument in the middle of an election year. Like, what? <laughs> So then, so a, a, bo- uh, a bunch of frustrated uh, Border Patrol agents were tired of letting these guns walk. Uh, uh, the people who were owning the gun shops who were seeing these same people come back. Uh, and then finally, uh, uh, an American Border Patrol agent was actually killed by one of, well, allegedly killed by one of the guns. Uh, or the same type of gun, they can't trace the bullet back, but they assume that it is the same type of gun that they allowed to like walk across. And so, um, um, uh, a U.S. senator, uh, then I think it was Chuck Grassley, actually brought it up and said, "Hey, guys, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta shut this down. What is going on here? Why are we letting all these guns just walk if we're not actually being able to trace them back?" And so that's just one example. And this is the this is what we're monitoring, right? This is just what we're monitoring. Lord knows what we're not. And so when we when we're talking about uh gun reform and who can buy a gun and, and, and loopholes, it's not just Americans that are that are doing it. It's not just Americans who are doing school shootings and, and doing all these other things. This is the main funder of the uh uh guns for drug cartels in Mexico and and and, and uh the violence in endorsed. I was I was reading a report and now I'm you're going to have to prepare yourself to hear this. In the month of May, 2018, um, a person was killed in Mexico from drug viol- from gun violence every 15 minutes. Every 15 minutes in the month of May. Uh, and these are the types of guns that are coming from our country. Now, you can see with just the ineptitude of the leadership of... Uh, on this gun traced uh on this uh sorry <laughs> gun trace ass force was another episode uh and and more ineptitude as well uh operation fast and furious right we're talking about two thousand two thousand guns that we just walked across the border right, and only seven hundred and ten of them being recovered uh what type of unrest was that and you see the violence in Ciudad Juarez and uh Tawana and how that caused that is there a moral obligation that our country has? to allow these people in to seek asylum from the gang violence of the people that we actually armed. I know it was a, it was a illustration we were talking about earlier, the illustration we gave earlier about, you know, someone being flooded out of their house and then being denied entry. But I'm saying that as a nation, we are that neighbor that has flooded, uh, these nations and then deny them entry, uh, when we come here. Um, when we're when we're talking about uh, when we're talking about uh, bad foreign policy, because it's not only guns, but it's also propping up dictators. I think we talked about in episode number two about uh, Pop and Baby Doc in Haiti and how they were dictators up, upheld and uh, propped up by our government, who exploited their nation and, and, and caused so much poverty by their greed. Yet the president wants to call them whole countries," uh, but when we were so in 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 ties with them that when the Haiti up you know uh, let a coup to to uproot the dictator, that the dictator called us and we flew the dictator out on Air Force One, right? So. <laughs> Uh, and so there's an interesting book and a documentary by a guy named Juan Gonzalez. He's a journalist. He's been a journalist for 30 years now. And he has this book and our documentary I, I, I highly recommend, if you want to get a, a, a more healthy perspective of why people are coming to uh, America, um, to look at his uh, documentary called Harvest of empire, okay, harvest of empire, essentially what he is saying, he is saying that, and he's noticing this worldwide as well, that um, uh, due to how we have exploited the workforce of Latin America uh, and how we have then foiled their attempts at democracy by putting in dictators who will allow us to continue our uh, foreign policy of exploitation, as far as labor is concerned, that it is it has caused so much unrest and unviolence and violence through civil war because the people there do not want the leaders we prop up. Um. uh that it has caused such unrest in these countries and violence in these countries that we have a moral obligation to actually uh, give them help, and that the reason they are coming is not. Uh, because America is so great or, or, or because uh, they're so lazy or whatever. It's because it's the, literally the consequences of our failed foreign policy coming back to our door and saying you have a moral obligation to be involved in fixing this instead of just closing the borders and, and building a wall and doing all these other uh, doing all these other types of attempts which we will get into more on how... Um, They changed the uh, federal code they use so that they're not processed as asylum seekers, but rather as criminals. And seeing now what Jeff Sessions is trying to do to actually change uh, who can qualify for asylum. Okay, and so um, Juan Gonzalez is is, uh, also talking about how there has been, and I I like to call it um, import, exploit, export. Okay, so I'll give you an example on how this was, on how this was uh, used against uh, African Americans. You import us as slaves, exploit us for work, and then when it's a chance for us to be free and actually have a part in this country, then you have people who want to export them. Right? That was the whole Liberian. Uh, well, I'm an abolitionist, but I don't want them to stay. You know, they can get out of here. Right? You weren't trained, to get out of here when we were working free and and. <laughs> and given free and, 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 and cheap labor, right? You didn't want us out then, but now that now that uh, we're asking for a piece of the pie that we helped to bake, suddenly it's hey, you guys got to get out of here, right? And so we're talking about the same way in Latin America and how a lot of their resources were exploited and uh, by our, our ways of you know the CIA going in and, and, and uh, training uh, people to lead coups against who they have elected. And this isn't just in the in the distance past. Uh, literally, just uh, uh, two years ago, one of the countries that's been close to my heart is the country of um, uh, Honduras. And so uh, this was this was again us. And to be quite honest, this was kind of the the reasons why I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. Uh, uh, I didn't vote for Trump. I tell you that though. <laughs> under uh, under her watch uh similar situation honduras uh kind of has a leader that they have selected that they kind of want to lead but it's not the leader that the u.s wanted so the u.s wanted so the u.s trains these troops to to help make a coup against and overthrow this and overthrow this uh person and so this person gets into power and then enter uh the world a huge corporation that wanted to take the land from the link of people um uh there were a bunch of environmental activists that were saying no you're not going to take this sacred land and exploit it for these american corporations and uh whatever and this new leader who was elected begins assassinating with the trained troops that that with the, with the troops that we trained and with the funding we used, are using this these resources to assassinate environmental activists one of them being Berta Casares. and so <clears throat> uh, uh, a, a u.s senator um, who was a friend uh Senator Patrick uh, Leahy uh he gets he gets he gets wind of this and uh, you can actually research he actually Put towards a bill that said like we have got to we have got to uh stop funding these people until we figure out why these people are suddenly being assassinated and they were being assassinated by the by, di- uh, by direct orders of this person that the u.s put into power now not only that it's not only just a news story i had a good friend named barrett who uh served there in honduras and uh i was reading at this time word that now in Honduras, a president can only serve, I believe two terms. You can't serve more than two. It's actually a crime to run for, for, for more than two terms because they don't want a dictatorship. So my friend Barrett was going to Honduras and I said, Hey man, uh, let me know what the people think about, uh, the leader and kind of what's kind of going on because people are hearing that I was hearing swirling rumors that this person was, was, was not trying to leave, even though it was the end of his term. And so he gets back, and he tells me, yeah, you know, this person changed the rules so that he can run for a third term. Uh, And so that was, again, starting where it's saying, oh, no, this guy's trying to make himself into a dictator. And so they have an election. And again, the people choose someone other than who the U.S. propped up because of the assassinations that he's been doing. So they don't think anything about this contender, but the contender that the, that the people chose is outperforming the person that, the, that our government propped up, who's now trying to become a dictator by changing the rule and saying, I can run as long as I want. Here's the thing. When the contender starts winning, they stop the vote count. I'm talking about for days. Now imagine you're in the middle of, of an election, and I guess we'll just use this example. Uh, if Hillary Clinton started beating Donald Trump and then we stopped counting votes for days. I'm talking about weeks because it's not the result that certain people wanted. And then you come back after certain days and say, oh, well, yeah, we counted in the, the, uh, the, you know, person that we wanted won. That's the end of it, right? And then people started protesting and they started assassinating protesters and doing all these types of things that you can see this pattern that Juan Gonzalez brings out in Harvest of Empire. Uh, And so um, even uh, Senator Patrick Leahy was talking about how there has been an increase in the amount of uh, refugees who are seeking asylum here uh, from Honduras. And so when I'm talking about crisis or consequences... The problem with this is that people are spinning false narratives and trying to make people... (laughs) Uh, Here's the thing, we have a president who will demonize MS-13, but will not uh, demonize uh, uh, the fact that we are probably arming them with the guns with which they create their horrors, right? We have uh, President Mike Pence saying well, we respect your borders, you uh, should respect ours, But th- while denying the history, Juan Gonzalez brings up, denying the history that we have been the ones who have been uprooting and causing coup- coups and, and, and secret CIA missions to overthrow these governments, and despite all that, flooding guns in, uh, to their uh, cartels to create unrest. Uh, and again, as we're here, we're talking about truth-telling, right? And the most loving thing we can do is hold a mirror to uh, someone. And we have to hold the mirror of truth to America and say, you don't have an immigration problem. You have consequences of colonization, right? You have consequences of not respecting people's borders, not respecting who the people have chosen to vote for. And you have put these leaders in there and they have done terrible, terrible acts. I, I, I encourage you to look at A Harvest of Empire um, by Juan Gonzalez. Uh, Before you, whatever, want to turn your ear away whatever, just look at this documentary. You can rent it for $3 from Amazon or or whatever one you choose. Look at this and look at the horrors that have been committed behind these people we have propped up, and you will understand why people are coming. Even when you understand uh, economically with NAFTA how... uh, it, it, it was great for American farmers, but then it, it prohibited uh, Mexican uh, farmers from being able to have access to business and trade with with us. And so they're just merely following the opportunities that was taken from them due to this, uh, 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 this economic policy that, you know, this kind of America first type of thing. It wasn't, you know, it was done before Trump, um, but we have to have a moral obligation to fix the problems that we help to create uh it's 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 quite sad when i was hearing about the upholding of the travel ban and i saw a i saw a uh picture of two uh two, uh 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 Young ladies and of of Islam, and they they were they were they were refugees. I'm not sure where they were from, whether it was uh, Syria or Iran or any of these other banned countries, but they were holding a sign that says, "If you don't want any refugees, stop making them." I'm gonna read this again. It said, "If you don't want refugees, stop making them." Right, and so he is essentially, he is essentially, uh, they were essentially saying. We are a product of your failed foreign policy. If you want to stop having an immigration problem, stop having a bad policy that creates refugees, right? Uh, and so uh, by having this 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 ban, uh, we have to look and say, before we deny people these entry and saying we don't like wet people in our house or whatever, you know, continuing with the original illustration, uh, what role did we have to play in this? Did we did we uh, contribute to the instability? And if we did, there's a higher moral law uh, because that was the whole problem with Cain. With like, am I my brother's keeper? Hey, I, I made my decision. I don't have to worry about the consequences of my decision, right? Like, you know why you can't find... <laughs> You know, you can't find Abel. You kill them, right? Uh, you know why this, why these things are coming? But to paint it as people being illegal and people, uh, you know, not being uh, uh, worthy of those things, or, or, or not even listening to uh, the rest of Romans thirteen that talks about uh, uh, love does no harm to a neighbor, uh, and that is that is that is that is uh, uh, the ultimate law. We have to look at the harm that we've done to our neighbors for profit, right? For a quick buck, the import exploit export, uh, and so we are looking at the consequences of our failed foreign policy. Um, and so, this is this is kind of the the perspective that I wanted to give people because I've I've been. Uh, Seeing this debate go back and forth and uh, we're going to get we're going to get uh, more uh, into um, there are some laws that are now being implemented and put in place to try and prevent people from having asylum from the things that we created uh, locally here. Um, uh, President Trump and uh, I believe uh, David Bratt have uh, suggested that they want to be able to deport people without a trial. Uh, meaning that you don't even get to hear them out or seeing if they're seeking asylum but just if they're at the border, turn them away Uh, and so I'm going to introduce um, um, kind of uh, a new segment where I kind of just kind of hit the streets and kind of talk to people who are there it's called A Difference in Resistance Uh, because what happens when the government is not good? Civil disobedience or it's time to resist and so I was able to meet with some people who were protesting uh, this uh, call to deport people and, uh, and to deport uh, families and children without even giving them a case to understand why they're here. And so we're gonna, I'm going to take you uh, right to the streets where I was. I was able to talk to a beautiful soul by the name of Melissa and what she's doing with Together in RICO. And then we'll come back and talk about the other things you should be aware of as far as what Jeff Sessions is specifically doing to kind of skirt the consequences of our decision-making. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after the interview. A Difference in Resistance. Stay tuned. Where are
1: the children? Where are the children? Where are the children? Where are the children? Where? Where Are the,
0: children. Right where are the children where are the children hello listeners this is Charlie way with a difference in thought I'm on uh, at the scene here in a short pump with some wonderful people who are resisting uh, the uh, asylum uh, choice by Dave bratt to register asylum people as criminals by changing the federal code uh, and actually actually want to deport them without trial we are here with um, Melissa, Melissa. Yeah. Um, with Together We Are in RICO, and she's just going to share why they're here and just kind of the uh, important work that they're doing.
1: Yeah, um, thanks for giving this opportunity to spread the word. So we are a grassroots movement that started in 2016, and we're really all about getting people to move from thinking about things to doing things, everything from showing up at the General Assembly to showing up on the streets and and letting folks know um, about policy issues that are important to us.
0: Thank you uh, Melissa for being here and what what mo- motivated you uh, personally to come here today? Why was this a personal issue for you? You're you're a mother right here, right? So how would you imagine like being someone at the border and going through that experience? What yeah. well, how were
1: As a mother, as a parent, um, to me, I can't imagine not having compassion for folks who are seeking asylum by coming to this country, seeking out the American dream. Um, It was really upsetting to see our congressmen not represent the values of the people in this district. And we saw a need to gather and demonstrate in a peaceful way. And so here we are.
0: We are following in the traditions of Dr. King and nonviolent resistance and also building the beloved community because it's just as you said, it has to come to the point where these children are our children and what we are saying for them is what we're saying for our children. And so I really just wanted to thank you and yeah, just they, give me some time to talk. Yeah, thanks
1: so much for being out here and supporting the movement and for this opportunity. Right.
0: And where can our listeners just connect with you in case they want to involve? involved?
1: Go to Facebook and look up the Together We Will Henrico public action page. And start from there. We have a, a small closed group where we strategize, and we'd love to have folks there.
0: Wonderful. You, so you guys go and support them. Uh, this has been Charlie Ray with The Difference in Thought. Thank you, Melissa, again. Thank you
1: so much. No
0: And there you have it, first segment of A Difference in Resistance. It was really great seeing everybody out there, Uh, a lot of uh, parents bringing their kids out there, just really expanding the beloved community and really just the call that, you know, uh, we are family, you know, and uh, understanding what happens to our kids, uh, you know, what happens to other people's kids can happen to our kids and just really... Uh, applying the higher moral law and just being a neighbor and showing up for a neighbor. Uh, And so, just expanding more on what we're talking about, To give you a background on this David Bratt guy. um, He kind of ran, uh, he ousted Eric Cantor, who was, uh, I think he was almost, I think he was majority whip at the time, but uh, he kind of ran on this whole uh, immigration thing and saying that, hey, it's super important that we don't become Europe who's being, you know, culture is being changed by all these people coming in. And uh, uh, Juan Gonzalez talks about this fear in Harvest of, of Empire that talks about, you know, how uh, la- la- Latinos will, and I think by 2040, 2050, will be a third of the U.S. population and uh, the browning of America and how, uh, you know, there's this white fear that they will lose their culture and um, uh, a lot of this type of language uh, was used by uh david Braddon so we gotta have to talk about what are some of the uh potential ulterior motives that we're talking about here uh because uh jeff sessions uh it's a uh, uh, political article it says sessions moves to block asylum for most victims of domestic and gang violence now what you need to understand is that there has been uh uh, precedents in courts where uh, people fleeing uh, uh, Latin communities because of domestic abuse or uh, uh, pretty much the, uh, uh, the attorney general can determine, uh, you know, asylum is, is based on, uh, you know, race, religion, part of a specific group, uh, um, political opinion. If you're being uh, persecuted for these types of things, you can state that you are here to seek asylum. Uh, and so it's it's kind of it's kind of open, but it, it was at least some precedent of the twenty sixteen immigration appeals court decision to grant asylum to a woman from El Salvador who claimed her former husband repeatedly abused her physically, emotionally, uh, and sexually. Um, and what Jeff Sessions is doing, and I, because I think they know that the history of of um, America and how they have uh, really decentralized people through through, uh, guns and drugs and empowering these cartels, now he is moving to block asylum for victims of domestic and gang violence because that's what a lot of people from Latin America are going to be coming to do. Um, uh, He is saying generally claims by aliens pertaining to domestic violence or gang violence perpetrated by non-governmental actors will not qualify for asylum. Uh, and so, and, and President, uh, Trump, uh, just tweeted out yesterday, when people come into our country illegally, we must immediately escort them back out without going through years of illegal maneuvering. Uh, then he says our laws are the dumbest anywhere in the world. Okay. And he says Republicans want strong borders and no crime. D- Democrats want open borders and are weak on crime. And so, uh, again, when we're talking about import, exploit, export. No one was worried about crime when it was cheap labor. They were uh, flying them in um, uh, <laughs> on boats, on planes, anywhere to get here to, to fill this gap of uh, free labor, uh, cheap labor that we need. But now when it's they have the power to form, uh, to change the uh, demographic of America. And this is something that uh, Stokely Carmichael and Fannie Lou Hamer saw in Mississippi when they coined the phrase black power, it was about black political power. They were talking about when um, black people were starting to organize and being able to to change the political system of power uh, that uh, gerrymandering and redlining and all these districts would change until they got the result that they wanted, which is exactly what you saw recently in Honduras. Um, and so now this same machine is being used for people coming into the country because they know if they allow people to actually state their case and do it, they are qualified for asylum. Uh, not only qualify for asylum, but probably qualify due to our failed foreign policies. Uh, but it's a way of suppressing the truth. Again, we were talking about fragility is suppressing and oppressing voices that call the privileged to change how they participate in the power structure. Now, if you have a bunch of people coming from the same locations with the same cases, uh, without uh, um, being able to make their their case, that is a way of suppressing the truth. And so, when I was talking about uh, David Brat in there, I was saying change the federal code. I was uh, 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 I didn't mean uh, like write a new federal code, but really just changing how asylum seekers are are seen at the border. So instead of using uh, you know, a place of asylum, uh, um, uh, and there are a lot of guidelines uh, there for Act One Hundred One A Fifteen P under U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. These are the these are the things that uh, Jeff Sessions is trying to change. So he's pretty much saying what can't constitute as a special group is domestic abuse and um, people coming from gang violence, right? Um, and so uh, instead of letting them come as asylum seekers uh, they are changing the federal code they're using the federal code 8 u.s code uh 1325 saying just you're it's just illegal for you to, be, to to be here and trying to deport people without even giving them trials or separating children as a deterrent because the long-term goal is we don't want the fabric of america changing right just like people saying that about uh Europe And the whole Brexit thing and that whole fear mongering of, you know, when they come, you know, and, and it was the same uh, fear that was placed uh, on Asian uh, Americans for during the Chinese Exclusion Act or during Irish uh, and uh, Russian Jews and Polish people. And all these things were, were, were the same reaction uh, of uh, we don't want you changing our culture, uh, almost this nimby that's, again, applied on the world scene. This is what you are seeing happening, and so, uh, as again, we're making the case that due to our implications in this, uh, uh we have a moral obligation to uh challenge this administration stance and and also, and not just this, uh, uh administration there were deportations happening but the fact that you're separating children that is the that is that is where a a, a line is 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 definitely being crossed uh and so this is uh the call of of the gospel when you read in uh uh deuteronomy and when you read in in leviticus and even in the book of joshua how uh God is very passionate about how you treat the stranger and saying, remember that you were strangers in Egypt and I don't want you to adopt the policies of Pharaoh. And uh, you can see in Leviticus 19.33, it says, and if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You shall do no injustice and in judgment and measurement of length, weight, or volume. You shall have honest scales, honest weights, and honest ephah, and an honest hint. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And so, in the verses before this, uh, in 31 and 32, it's talking about not giving regards to mediums and, uh, you know, any type of sorcery. And 32 says, You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man. Uh, and so, so as much as you avoid, uh, I guess, sorcery for all the all the Christians that burnt their Harry Potter books, uh, and as much as you honor uh, the elderly, uh, it is just as important that we honor the stranger who dwells with us, and you shall love him as yourself. Uh, it doesn't get any clearer than that. Uh, you obviously don't want... Your children being ripped away from you. You obviously don't want to be turned away when, uh, uh, especially by the person who has contributed to, uh, your dismay. It's very clear in the Bible, uh, in Leviticus, the laws of, the laws of God, um, how we ought to treat the stranger, um, not again. Not saying that America is somehow some type of new Israel, but that is also embedded very much in the gospel. And in that same chapter, Romans thirteen, love does no harm to its neighbor. So now the question is: Now that you have done harm to your neighbor, what, you know, what are you going to do to uh, repair that? Uh, uh, it's 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 wrong to flood your neighbor's house but deny them entry. Uh, and then also this understanding uh, as a Christian that Jesus was an asylum seeker uh, during, do- because of the bad policies of Herod and, and insecurities and just, again, based out of insecurity, cha- challenges the power, right? Herod's like, oh man, these, uh, uh, these uh, Jewish people are growing. I don't want them to, uh, you know, apparently they have a king. I don't want them to threaten my power. So I w- enlist this harsh policy. Uh, he was killing children. But, uh, that caused uh, jesus and his family to have to flee and as an asylum seeker but egypt did not deny them asylum right uh egypt uh let them in and that was the hope of our the hope of our faith was a good policy on asylum seekers right like we can't separate these things and we have to recognize the patterns of herod of insecurity and fear of power and what david bratt ran on and what president trump ran on and what Jeff Sessions has been talking about about this fear of a changing demographic of a change of power and fearing our neighbor instead of caring for them. Uh, uh, especially, uh, when we have propped up dictators that would, wouldn't question our desire to exploit people. Uh, uh, and then you look at the, the history of for-profit prisons, uh, uh, and detention centers and how Jeff Sessions, you know, uh, when the Obama administration, we were working to end for-profit prisons. Now they're trying to construct more places to hold children and for-profit detention centers are still a thing. Uh, and so there's a lot of ulterior motives behind this. And uh, I think we have to, uh, as Dr. King said, there are guidelines uh, that God has for his people. And how you treat the stranger, how you treat uh, the asylum seeker, how you uh, treat those people are part of the guidelines of how God wants his kingdom to be run. And so when you have people like uh, uh, Mike Pence and people like uh, Jeff Sessions trying to use the Bible, trying to use the gospel to justify uh, something that is doing harm to the neighbor, uh, that is not something that we should uphold or that we should sustain. And as Dr. King says, one has a more responsibility to disobey unjust laws. We saw this happening with sanctuary cities and when churches were trying to resist those and how... You know, um, uh, people were trying to persecute them. I'm talking about America here. So uh, we have to decide, like we said in episode four, are we going to be God's church or are we going to be America's church? And um, that's uh, really what I wanted to communicate for you all. Uh, I, I just wasn't feeling at peace with so much that was being left out as far as why these people are coming here and what we had uh to do with that and just that i believe you know um this isn't a you know this isn't about an immigration problem this is about the consequences and 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 uh, taking responsibility for what our policies and what our profit unjust profit has meant for latin and central america and i think the right thing to do in this situation is to provide that if if we have propped up dictators. We have funneled guns and empowered and, and these people through drugs, and they're coming to our borders. That we should let them, we should grant them asylum. Uh, it's no secret that Jimmy Carter, uh, I believe it was when the crisis, uh, 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 I think it was Cuba, I believe, um, uh, when Fidel Castro said, "Hey, you guys can can go," and the, you know these people were displaced and could go. Jimmy Carter gave open arms. You know this is this is not somehow different from what has happened in the past uh again it is this fear it is this nimby it is this uh, this uh new segregation of i i have a right to just remove non-white bodies from my presence without trial or without all these you know all of these things and so it is a dark path that that is that is forming but again we must learn to love the truth that incriminates us because that's what sets us free to be something other than the villain and as dr king found out uh Uh, that America was one of the greatest purveyors of violence and oppression around the world. And this is not different today. And we must call this nation out to be something different and not just silently uh, comply and sustain uh, this policy that we are now seeing the consequences of at the border. And so keeping that in mind when you're going through and engaging and seeing these things Be sure that you're seeing it through the proper lens uh, and the proper perspective. And I encourage everybody to go watch Harvest of Empire by Juan Gonzalez. Read the book if you can. Um, There's also a beautiful book called Welcoming the Stranger that makes a a gospel kingdom case for God's policy towards um, the other. And remembering that we were the other and God (laughs) pursued us and welcomed us into his family. And to follow that. So... That's all for episode number 10, Crisis or Consequences, The Truth About America's Immigration Problem. So, um, if you guys enjoyed this, be sure to rate, um, subscribe on iTunes, and also, we are now on Google Play Podcast. So, on your Google Play Music app, if you're using an Android device, go ahead and search a difference in thought, scroll down to Podcast, and you should see me there welcoming you to uh the family so uh again if uh, there are any uh new reviews no new reviews which is which is fine uh actually it's not but no it's fine uh leave reviews if it if it's uh helps you a lot if you have any questions be sure to email me at a difference in thought at gmail.com follow me on twitter at a diff in thought or just search a difference in thought and i'm now on instagram too so anybody want to hit me up on the gram go ahead and search a difference in thought and I'm there Uh, we are going to be continuing um, in the coming weeks um, with Fragility Has Consequences and what that means for sexual assault, we're going to be examining the false theology of white supremacy and how that just falls in on itself, Uh, still talking about moving from anti to pro community, Uh, so it's a lot of things that's going on, Uh, I know it's been a break, just had some things I had to deal with, but We're going to keep it moving, and so thank you all for listening. Uh, This is your host, Charlie Ray, with A Difference in Thought. I love you. I love you. That's why I'm here. Peace.